First of all, I welcome and thank all those who are here to listen to the lecture of this evening. And I would like to thank in particular the friends of the Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi Society for inviting me to participate and gave the possibility to open a window on a topic that is in all respect one of the most engaging. In a moment we will drive, we will dive into the mystery of the nowhere, the highlights of the heavenly ascension of the Prophet Muhammad. Because of the subject, the topic is by its very nature difficult to deal with. I thought of dividing it in two parts. The first, which will be illustrated with the help of some slides, uh, is a journey into the vision of the great master of Sufism from, who covered this topic from Halaj to, to Ajili, without, however, touching Ibn Arabi. We will deal instead with Ibn Arabi, uh, but we, without slides, in the second part, to address some key passages of um, his doctrine that directly concerned the climax of the divine proximity. Okay. Uh, the picture that I, I choose to, to, to open this section is summarizing the meaning of all the, uh, which are going to explain, because behind the, the veil of the effulgent lights of divine majesty, there is a prophet already, because this is a, a, a picture, uh, an icona, of the, um, of the mirage of the ascension of the prophet Muhammad. So the heavenly ascension of the prophet is in Sufism uh, the model of spiritualization and its culminant moment when it was at the distance of two arcs or less became the subject of profound metaphysical meditation. Doesn't work. Okay. The key passage from the Quran which describe the, uh, the the ascension is in the beginning of Surah Al-Najm, especially from the verse seven ten, where the Prophet is said to receive revelation, and in this moment is written. Uh, while he was on the highest horizon, when he drew close and descended, and he was at the distance of two bows or closer. And he, I mean God, revealed to his servant what he revealed. From the Hadith sources, we know that the Prophet approached his Lord above the Sidratul Muntaha, translated the low tree of the utmost boundary, where Jibril, Jibril is said has to halt, not to be incinerated by the light of the divine glories. The prophet, on the contrary, overstepped this limit and penetrated into the mystery of what we can call the exceeding bright darkness of the essence.
the expression uh, uh, exceedingly bright darkness is taken from the mystica theologia of pseudo dionysius where he mentioned the hyper illuminating the the the, the this bright darkness is hyper illuminating what is extremely manifest where the darkness is most intense. The divine essence always appears in relation to the cosmos as an unmanifested principle and its transcending light cannot be grasped. In the Quran, we are remembered that vision comprehends him not, but he comprehends all vision. This is also happened in the case of the prophet who alluded to it when to those who asked him if he had seen God, he replied, Nur, Anna Arahu, light, how could I see him? The culminating point of his son, the spiritual perfection, is not to worship him as if you saw him, but rather to know that if you don't see him, because in fact you cannot see him, in reality it is he who sees you. If Narabi give us another interpretation, another reading, also which is not uh, inconsistent with the traditional reading, in which he divides the, the last sentence of the famous hadith uh, of Ihsan, so he divides and if you are not tarahu, then you see him. Uh, we can only say the extinction fana is a condition for being able to look in the hidden mystery of the essence. An extinction, however, which doesn't mean anything but the disappearance of an illusion. What has never been disappears and what has never ceased to be remains. This is a famous sentence of the, uh, of, uh, of the mystic Raja Abdullah Ansari which arrived to, to Ibn Arabi through the Andalusian Ibn Larif. That was the case of the Prophet during the Mirage. He had to strip himself of all aspects of created existence in order to penetrate into the mystery of divine reality. This happened when he was clothed in the cloak of divine attributes. In one of the earliest collections of Sufi records about the Miraj, the Sulamis Bayan Lataif al Miraj is reported as saying by Abdullah al Abu Bakr al Wasiti, who died in 932, according to which God bathed Muhammad in his lights, emptied him of all human attributes, and adorned him with the lights of his divine attributes. Uh, Al-Wasiti remember us that uh, all the prophets are adorned with divine attributes and lights, 
but that only Muhammad could endure the direct self-disclosure of the essence, Tajalli min al-Dat. Only 10 years separated Wasiti death from the execution of Halaj in 922 in Baghdad. We in his Tawazin make it clear that in the sea of divine selfhood, Al-Huwa, there is no room for anywhere, Aina, for other than him. Halaj was the first perhaps to depict the totality as a circumference whose point are the places of the manifestation of the real, and these places as such will always fail to reach true identity with the real. Only one point remain. Only one point remain true in the midst of all points of this circumference. The ocean of eternity in which reverberate these verses of Hussein ibn Mansur, perhaps the most famous one that he mentioned. I saw my love with the eye of my heart. I asked him, who are you? He replied, I am you. For you, the where no longer exists. The where finds no place in you. The path to the real, it is said, can be obtained according to two different processes. Tirmidhi in the Khatmal Awliya distinguish between two ways. The first is the way of the ordinary and common one of the, path, the people of the path, which is that of the suluk, the progression in stages through the station. The other is that of the elite through jazba, the direct attraction by God. Also, it would be better to define it as did Wasiti, with expression tajalli at that, since the former involves the idea of a change in the state of consciousness other than the awareness of what always is. So the two bows, length away or closer of the Quran, can be interpreted in this way, as a, you can see in the, in the slide now, as a circumference divided by the diameter. In Arabic, the word caos, bow, like the Latin arcus, means, means also the arc of a circle, as the two bows can be understood so as two arcs. Now this division we can see in a two different way. One from the cosmological point of view, uh, it is a movement from the origin to the an intentional return. So we have a first the descending arc, the chaos and nuzuli, from unity to, to multiplicity. And then an ascending arc, al chaos asud, from multiplicity to unity. But we have also the initiatory perspective, the voluntary return, where it happens the contrary. From the state of our distance from the real, we have first an arc of ascension, causal uruj, to the divine origin, and then the arc of return, causal ruju, return to what? Manifestation. In fact, in the first case, that of the suluk, 
the person who reaches extinction is indeed in the divine essence, but according to a particular relationship that it maintains with the state of the cosmic existence. That because it represents the center from which it proceeds and to which it returns. This center then constitutes in relation to the spiritual path of the wayfarer, the divine station, al-Makam al-Ilahi, which is the center of the circumference. Then it, that it is a true heart of the world for all existence, but this is also the reason why everything in the cosmos is in relation to it, in a state of causal <coughs> subordination and ontological dependence. It, in, it is not in this way, therefore, that it can function as the non-station of the Mohammedans. To better understand its extinction, we must therefore refer to Ibn Arabi's doctrine in which he differentiated between Ahadiyya and Wahidiyya. Ahadiyya means the divine oneness for what it is in itself unrelated to the numerical progression entailing otherness. Wahidiyya, on the contrary, is this same oneness, but not in itself and without any relationship. Rather, it is divine unity which became the origin and the source of all possible things of engenerated existence. So this the masters of the south, we depicted some of them, uh, give this two. Now we see the differentiation between the arc which is above and the arc which is under it, as a distinction between from one side al haq the real, and al khalq the manifestation on the other side. This is a perspective we show. Kashani, for instance, in the Tawilat of Quran and other passages. Uh, I'm reading his commentary in the Surah Al-Najm, the Surah of the Star. He says, Muhammad was a measure of the circle of being, which includes the all and which is divided by an imaginary straight line into two arcs, which causes the real and the universe to be seen as two separated entities. It is therefore the point of view that divides reality into halves. From the point of view of getting closer to the real, the first R is constituted by the manifested cosmos, while the real represents the other half, which one approaches through the progression until he annihilates himself in it completely. Instead, from the point of view of the end of the path and of the return to manifestation, the first arc is the real, unchanging in its state without beginning and without end. And the manifested existence, which take place after extinction, due to a newly granted existence, is represented by the second arc. As for the arc Au Adna, the even closer of the two arcs. This is realized when the imaginary duality that separate them is conce concealed by the union of one arc with the other 
in the, in, the in the realization of the real unity in the multiplicity itself. In fact, it is a multiplicity in, in it. The multiplicity disappears and the circle remains indivisible, one in its essence and attributes. Gili present in the Kitab Kabel Kausain, not a very much different perspective, just he called the first arc, the arc of necessary being, the true necessary eternal existence, and the second, oh, sorry, there is a mistake, uh, the arc of possible being, the created, originated existence. He says that all the reality may be conceived as these two circles divided in two. What is interesting in him is he specifies the position that the prophet has in his uh, uh, ascension and in this representation. He says the prophet is the very measure that divides the two arcs, the isthmus between the divine and the created reality, because he is the reality of all realities. Therefore, his station on the night of the ascension was above the throne, that is, the upper limit of the created things. So all created things were beneath him and the Lord above him. Uh, in another book, yes, the Kitab Lawam Yul Bark, Al Mukin of Gili, uh, he says that the theophany of the divine names in the higher station, uh, it happened that the first speech addressed to him from the essence without duality is in the language of the change of identity. It is related to his true self as he is none other than him and he finds himself as one in the essence, considering himself as actually being him and not considering for himself any name or attribute. So he sees himself as absolute pure being without considering the presence or the absence of any relationship, but as totally unconditioned. It is then that he realizes non-duality. So we have another example of one Akbarian. He was Sadaddin Fargani. He came before uh, Kashani and before Gili. He was a direct disciple of Elkona. We saw his, uh, uh, in his commentary on Tayyip al-Kubra, he was actually presenting the teaching, the oral teaching of his uh, master, Sadaddin, who was a direct disciple of uh, Sidi Muhyiddin ibn Arabi. And, uh, okay, here we have a perspective which is actually happens to be the, the division of the two circumference, the two arcs of the circumference are all above the cosmos. So you make the first of the two, of the, of the first perspective to be in the station of union, Tawhid. This is the Makam Kabakausein. And it, this happened in the second self-disclosure, what he calls Atayunatheni, which is that of the Wahidiyya, the divine names and lordship manifestation, the Madahir. 
For him then, the Makama or Adna relates to the first self-disclosure at the Ayyam al-Awwal, which is that of the Ahadiyya and the unity of being, Wahtatul Ujud. Kabkawsain can be reached by saints and prophets, he says, where the station of Adna is only accessible to Muhammad. This goes back to what we have already heard from Abu Bakr al-Wasiti, which came earlier than him. He adds this consideration, he says, during the effacement of the self and its attributes, the oneness of being is witnessed in the mirror of manyness. During the effacement of the spirit, the manyness is witnessed in the mirror of the oneness of being. During the effacement of the level of all comprehensiveness, comprehensiveness both kinds of witnessing are unified. Okay, I have uh, Futuhat, um, the Futuhat chapters here, I, I, you can just read it. There are some chapters which are dealing specifically with the uh, item, the, the, the topic of the two arcs, like is mentioned in the chapter two, uh, 216, 61 of the Futuhat, speaking of proximity and distance, and uh, the Mias already published in the, the journal, a very interesting uh, summary of these two chapters by Muhammad Rostum. Um, we have other chapters which are more even uh, directly connected, the chapter 189 of the Manazalat and the chapter 427, which is entitled The Knowledge of the Mutual Descent of the Two Bowlands. And the final is the chapter 439, which is talking about the second Kab um, Kausei, the second level of the two length uh, distance. Uh, it is interesting because this right that he obtained this second level by the elite of the, of the uh, Awliya, those who get, can get to the prophetic inheritance of Virat and Nabawiya. So it's actually is alluding to those who come back, those who are returning to the manifestation. Um, okay, let me change. Okay, Now I will stop the presentation of the true slides. Muhyiddin makes us contemplate the geometry of this metaphysical complexity by pointing out that the distinction of the two halves of the circumference, actually the section of the universal sphere of wujud is but an eternal affair where the actor is only him who makes distinction appear in order to differentiate the ruling property of lordship and servanthood. On the one hand, through the manifestation of the divine name, and on the other hand, by making the possible things of ingenerated existence became the locus in which this manifestation take place. In reality, there is but one wujud, who is the infinite ocean in which the undelimited self 
remain identical to itself while giving rise to the infinite possibilities of manifestation that its unique indivisible nature entails. It is the ocean without shore where Ibn Arabi facing the dark cloud of divine self exclaimed, Yahu al Huwa, O self of the self, what can I do in the self? The self replied, Dive. So say Ibn Arabi, I threw myself from the ark, naked and completely skinned by the darkness of that ark. I dived and I found relief. What is the darkness of the ark? We have only one answer. It is the ocean of known being where the immutable essences rest forever without breathing any scent of wujud, which, mean, which means light, since wujud is light. This dialogue with the self is the limit point of the two arcs, not the utmost boundary of the cosmos, but the straight imaginary line that in divine reality still divides the contingent being of the creature from the necessary being of the real. When the line disappears, the trace still remains, but the supreme identity becomes realized through Al-Huwa, the supreme self, which is prior to any determination or distinction, even the most essential of servanthood and lordship. Also, it is good to repeat and underline it, the ruling property of servanthood and lordship remain. Uh, to fully understand what Ibn Arimin means, we must pay attention to what he says about the immutable essences and the relationship between the absolute being and absolute non-being. In chapter, for instance, 312 of the Futuhat, the Sheikh, the Sheikh takes up the doctrine that he had already exposed in the early work in Shah Dawair concerning the object of knowledge. He says that there are, these are the absolute being, al-wujud al-mutlaq, the absolute non-being, al-adam al-mutlaq, and the possible being, al-mumkin. Between the absolute being and the absolute non-being, there is an essential incompatibility. Even if the non-being, let's remember it, is not an entity. It has no reality because it coincides with the impossible as such. So we have one perspective first, uh, because Ibn Arabi uses sometimes a symbolism of the mirror, in which the uh, absolute being uh, reflects itself in the mirror of non-being. What happens from this reflection, it is that the, the form of the possible itself. And this is why the possible has a, an immutable essence. Otherwise, and it is qualified by somethingness, shaiya, even, even in its states of non-manifestation. While it appears extra according to the form of absolute being. Uh, on the contrary, when the non-being 
reflects itself in the in the absolute being he sees itself in the mirror of the real and the form that he sees in the mirror is non-existence that characterizes the possible so we have to think about the how it works the mirror as such the when something presents itself on the surface of the mirror, the, uh, the thing which presents itself doesn't appear in reality in the mirror itself. It's like it, it is projected in an imaginary image which is at the same distance of the one who is looking to the mirror. So this projection outside of the mirror uh, is exactly the non-being, the absolute non-being where the possible happened to appear. Because the, uh, the, the, the only uh, absolute sphere of the reality is that of the pure being, and uh, in it, what takes form according to the uh, uh, ahkam, the rules of the immutable essences, are the form of these immutable essences which are taken by the absolute being which takes the fo different form and shapes uh, according to these uh, properties. And uh, Ibn Arabi says in the chapter 410, That he, he remembers uh, that uh, some uh, some eye of the Quran when he says there is no target behind God, and God says God is from behind them encompassing. He says that He encompasses us, and in every direction the behind of us belong to Him. In respect of this verse, we will never see Him, because our faces are turned towards the central point of the encompassing circumference. So, uh, the, the reality, it says, is just one, and the affair is a sphere of, which belongs only to the one who is a comprehensor, which is the Ar-Rahman, where the, all the name came into existence through the, their manifestation through the immutable essences. I would just to conclude my, my talk by one consideration, which is, um, doesn't appear in the text of the Akbarian school and not in others, but it's, it seems that we can easily take from the um, the notion that the Prophet said that the Salah is divided between, uh, it is a Hadith Qudsi, Allah said that I divided my Salah between me and my servant in two halves. He doesn't say, the fa he's talking after that about the Fatiha, but it's interesting that he's speaking about the Salah. So it is a Salah which is divided in two halves. And uh, these two halves, are the two 
arcs of the proximity to Allah. And uh, all the symbolism of the Salah is based, is based on the verse of course, it will be long to explain about all this. And uh, we can just remember that in the end of the Salah, which normally is made perhaps in Turaha, Raka, if we consider the allusion that Ibn Arabi is doing between the two arcs in the chapter 427 and the chapter 439, which alluding to the return of the Creator to the manifestation. Uh, it is like the conclusion I, I, I said in the, of the two of the of the two raka, in the moment of the tashahud, which is expressed by the very word which the prophet said in the moment in which he found is the presence of God, uh, in the in the more close proximity. So this is the end of the of the ayah, which is alluding with the Adna. Okay, I would like to stop here. I thank everybody. So waiting now for the continuation.